Hour number two, VGK Insider Show, rolling along here on a Wednesday. First show of the year for the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights. Talked a bit in hour number one about signature moments. We're going to finish that off. We're going to get a get into Riley Smith. How do you replace Riley Smith? Five-on-five, five, power play, penalty kill. One of the most consistent Swiss Army knives you could ever ask for on a team. He's mm. just so good in so many different ways. So that's going to be a, a challenge, a unique one for the Vegas Golden Knights going into the season. But you also look at it from a different perspective. You get to bring back Ivan Barbashev. You get to bring back Aiden Hill. You get to re-sign Brad Howden, Pavel Dorofiev. Like, y- you have to find ways to to, to keep the, the majority of your roster intact, and the Golden Knights were able to do that over the course of the offseason. We'll tell you, rookie showcase next week. Next Friday, that kicks off. Golden Knights are going to be in action. The rookies for the Vegas Golden Knights in action on Friday, September 15th, Anaheim, Vegas at the Dollar Loan Center. That's game number one. That's and here. That's here. Right it's down here the road. Vegas. Well, when you're the Stanley Cup champions, you don't have to travel. No. No, we, we get to take a few shortcuts. And I will also let you know that the Stanley Cup will be at the Dollar Loan Center starting at 5 o'clock. So if Is you are going so? to the game, go early. Say hi to Stanley. Stan! How you been? It's been a minute. So you got to meet Stanley. I did. I touched him. What was that? What was that it like? It was consensual first and foremost, but uh <laughs> it was um it was weird because you actually texted me because that was early I think it was like Wednesday or Thursday, because the media day was Friday mm-hmm. and game one was Saturday, I believe. Yeah. And you said to me on Friday that I needed to take in as much as humanly possible because this yeah. moment goes by really quick. And I'm I'm one of those people that likes to romanticize life, and so I kind of already knew that. But uh, my first introduction to uh, a lost moment was my moment with Stan where I came in, I did an interview with uh, the keeper of the cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did a couple of pictures. And then I didn't want to you know, inhibit anybody else because everybody in this building was like, I need a picture of Stan. And yeah. obviously, because it's a big deal, right? And so it just was kind of gone. Yeah. And I, I didn't even look at the names. I didn't even take it in at all. I was, I was genuinely disappointed in myself. But then I thought, this is this is your wake up call to the professional moment that you're in. That's more important than the personal one right mm-hmm. now because we we do this for a living. We're very privileged to do that. But that yeah. comes with certain sacrifices in certain moments, like how I wasn't able to be on the ice for the for sure. the cup ceremony. I'm like, I gotta chase the the carrot, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so that was one of those moments where I got to meet Stan, but we had the small talk conversation, and he's not gonna remember me. You'll get to see him again. I, I think I, I so. There will be other cups, yeah. I believe. Yeah, I, I firmly believe that. It's not my first encounter with Stan, um, but like you, that day was just an absolute. Um, there was a lot going on. It was right? a blur. Yeah, it, it really was a blur. And, you know, fortunately, I got to have a, a little bit more of a personal moment with Stan during the parade. Um, oh, nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Just you were nice in the picture. parade, weren't you? I was. Yeah, I was. Wow. Fun. I didn't realize I was sitting in here with a Vegas celebrity. <laughs> okay, let's, the news. Let's draw the line there. I don't know Vegas celebrity, but I, I do know that I was incredibly fortunate to be in the parade. It, it was one of those bucket list moments. You're never, ever going to yeah. forget. Um, to me, there were a couple of things that, that stood out from the parade. And I told it back in, you know, before we went on hiatus, but I'll, I'll kind of indulge myself here for, for a moment. Yeah, I haven't heard it. Um, there were two things. One, I got to be on the, the same bus as Jesus Lopez, who 
you know, love that, Jesus, huge fan of, of his, just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal voice. Um, it, it was one of those guys that was with me here doing this from day one, mm-hmm. right? And I remember when you know the the idea of you know Spanish broadcast came up, and and Jesus was kind of moving in that direction. The amount of questions that that you know he and I had for one another because this was me trying to break in on on air too, right? Like, yeah, it wasn't just a one way street with Jesus, and so he and I got to have kind of that moment together from from day one to on a bus at a parade with a sea of people on Las Vegas Boulevard. It was absolutely phenomenal, and you know there was a moment that Jesus had kind of as we went through this with with his son that was awesome, and then for me. Um, my wife is phenomenal. She's an absolute truth. I'm a huge fan, even though I've never met her. She's she's one of the, these days. I mean, listen, she's the coolest girl in the world. Yeah, she just really is. You're right? a lucky, like, dude. I I straight I'm up very very much. I'll kick your that. coverage. No offense, we're friends. But <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. So my wife took both of our kids to the parade. Now again, Las Vegas Boulevard. That's a task. It felt like a million people. Yeah. Right. Like from my vantage point, it felt like a sea of a million people. And so she's in it, and and cell phone service went absolutely haywire. 4G As, wasn't coming through, no, was it? No, it, it wasn't. Neither was 5. But she she let me know. She's like, I'm across the street from Eminem World, so like enjoy yourself, have fun, but when you get there, try to look, right? And so I found them. I found my wife. I found uh. my son. I found my daughter in the crowd, and it was I, – I lost it. Like I blacked out. It was insane, right? Like I caught eyes with my daughter, and then I saw my son. I saw my wife. Started crying the whole nine, like just oh, lost God, my mind about it. Feelings. Yeah, and it was and it was so cool. It was so cool because the entire summer, right? Like any situation we were in. Yeah. If someone brought up hockey or asked, like, oh, what do you do? Like in the summer, whatever. My 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 kids are just like, oh yeah, oh, he was in the parade. He got to be. He in the was parade. in the parade. Yeah, my dad insane. was in the parade. He was in. Uh, I heard your voice several times on the ESPN. Is like behind the cup, whatever they did the the documentary series. Yeah, you're all over that. Was I? That's your dad. That's yeah, their dad. No, That's your kids' no. dad. It, oh, there papa. it is. There it is. There's a picture of me and Jesus on the bus. That's fantastic. I love that. Well done. So yeah, that was one of those you know moments I'm always going to remember. Like that was, and I, I got to have a, a little moment with Stanley before we actually embarked. Sure, you embraced. On, uh, yeah, we did. You cuddled, and, and it was fantastic. Like. That's great. Five-year-old me? Can't believe it. I, and, I, and, and I'll be honest, like, it's been, what, it's been 60 days since we were last on the air. It's like 80-ish days since they won the Stanley Cup, whatever it is. I still don't believe it. I guess I still wake up every day, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That happened. Right. It happened. I was there. We got the happy ending. Yeah, we did. And on the air for it and got to talk to every everybody till, as, as Marianne said, late into the night after game five. Now, just shifting real quick, because I want to put a, a pin in this conversation in, in terms of signature moments. Yeah. Do you have any others? Not at the top of my mind, besides mm-hmm. the Mark Stone one, Marshy's hat trick. The save is definitely up there as someone who's a little bit more goaltending inclined. Sure. And the um, irony, or maybe it was the romanticism of it being in the same net same of net. the and, and it's the same situation, right? It's um, almost too good to be written about. So let me ask you real quick, because you brought up the save. Which yeah. one's better, Holtby or Hill? I mean, obviously, for Golden Knights fans, it's Aiden Hill. But yeah. if, you, I mean, were to, I if think, you were to look at it critically. I think Holtby's was more unlikely to be made. Mm-hmm. 
Because but, Alex Tuck did elevate the pocket. Correct, yeah. correct. And so just like situationally, I mean, I've been in moments where you make saves where you have no business making them and you're just sure. right place, right time on accident. That's goaltending. I mean, like 70% of it and the rest of it's mental gymnastics. And so it's not a fun place to be. But I, I, the thing about Aiden Hill's save as well, it wasn't just the save that he made, but then I think it was Alex Petrangelo mm-hmm. that made that subsequent play, mm-hmm. getting the stick in the lane, making sure that that rebound wasn't a problem. Um, it's just like once you see that go where it was and it mm-hmm. being kind of poetic justice for the first time around, again, one of those indicators, you're like, they're fine. Yeah. They're fine. Never too high, never too low. They were they were on the mission and they were enabled to go out and make good on their own destiny. And that's very rare that you see in this game. Yeah, you're you're hundred percent right. I, I thought the the save for me was kind of the defining moment from the Stanley Cup final. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you you need a play like that, right? Like you need one of those moments. We saw what it did for the Washington Capitals in year number one against the Vegas Golden Knights, and we saw what it did for Vegas. Like it, at that point, if you're a Florida Panther, you're absolutely deflated. Like you know what everyone's kind of playing through, mm-hmm. but then that play doesn't go for you. Yeah. It's deflating. It just is. So I'm I'm all on board with the save. I, I thought it was kind of the play of the final. Top three, probably. Of the final? Or, yeah, or, or just of the overall run. Of the run? For the final, for sure. So I, I'd love to indulge one more moment. And and listen, I'm not going to pile on Jamie Benn. Like, that's that's happened enough. That was a really stupid play that he did. It was really stupid. It was really dumb. I, I still, and then he didn't own up to it after. No, he didn't I accidentally own up to fell it. onto his face. Yeah. I, okay. That was one of those moments where I was hopeful Jamie Benn would just kind of be like, yeah, it was stupid. I don't know what I was doing. And, and to be honest, like, I feel like that probably would have done – more for his team in that moment, but yeah. the the excuse was was weak just in general. Um, but it wasn't so much that play. It was Jack Eichel setting up Jonathan Marsha. So game two, game tying goal late in the third period. Mm-hmm. And and the reason being is we know how the Dallas Stars are going to play. Like Pete DeBoer, he's going to hold on to the puck forever. He's going to have the puck in the offensive zone. He's going to take a million shots on goal. And there's not going to be a lot of openings, right? And and a lot of what had plagued the Golden Knights up until that that postseason run is that when those things happened, when the game got suffocated just a little bit, yep. they couldn't find that play to score that big goal. And then you bring in Jack Eichel, and that was the play where Jack Eichel announced to the world he's a playoff performer, he wants those big moments, and he's able to do things no one else for the Vegas Golden Knights is able to do. Well, let's not forget what it f- preceded that whole thing. Mm-hmm. He almost got his head taken off. Yeah, absolutely. Like we were questioning, like, is he going to come back? Yeah. Because I was worried. As just, I'm sensitive to, to head trauma. Mm-hmm. I've had I've had four concussions. I think I already brought that up today. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> it did not look good. No. It, just like uh, the Gudis hit did not look mm-hmm. good, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, he's fine. I'm like, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. It's mm-hmm. I'm sure yeah. he's fine. But for him to come out. And, you know, sometimes there's that added be there out there on the bench because just show that you're there for the team to chuck to the same thing in the final. Yeah. But he went out and he dug it out of the corner, won a battle and hit somebody who was crashing hard, who no one was covering, yeah. which I still don't understand to this day how that he was that free and clear. Mm-hmm. But it's just the, the Dallas Stars defensive core was that bad. I mean, that's what happens when you have Ryan Suter there, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but that play, you're absolutely right, that announced that um, – even in the moments you think I'm down, mm-hmm. I'm here. Yeah. And, and I'm going to make a play. And, I'm going to find a way and make a play. And that the Golden Knights are one play away, right? That's yep. that's what it's been. Yep. They're one play away. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. It doesn't matter how well of a game you've played against them. 
you rest on that for one second. It's in the back of your net. That's what they were mm-hmm. last year. They averaged over five goals a game in the Stanley Cup final. Like they every single clinching game was a blowout. Every single one. Yeah. And and that's just how good they were. So a lot of signature moments. I, I had kind of one from every single series, but you know, to me, there's there's big moments for Jack Eichel. There's a lot of expectations for Jack Eichel going into this season. But let's shift gears just a, just a, a little bit. And Is talk it time about, for this year? It's time for this year. And part of this year is looking at what the Golden Knights are going to be on the ice, right? Mm -hmm. And the biggest gap, I suppose, or the biggest change in terms of offseason is Riley Smith. Riley Smith was traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins for 2024 third-round pick. Again, we've talked about it, kind of massaging the salary cap, finding a way to bring back as much of this team that just won the championship as possible was mission objective number one for Kelly McCrimmon, right? You get Ivan Barbashev signed, you get Aiden Hill signed, you get Brett Howden signed, Pavel Dorofiev signed. Like all of those things had to happen in order for there to be as much flexibility going into the year. But then you start to think about all of the things that Riley Smith does so well for this team. Fantastic on the penalty kill. And it's not just killing penalties with William Carlson. No. It's a threat to score shorthanded. Top three in the league every year. That you're just not going to be able to easily replicate. How do you find ways to do that on the penalty kill? How do you find ways to do that on the power play? With Bruce Cassidy at the helm, Riley Mm -hmm. Smith was much more of a shoot-first type of player on the flank, that one-timer. He practiced it a lot going into this year. How do you kind of find ways to mitigate not having him in the lineup? And then kind of the big question, William Carlson is kind of on an island. Like he's a misfit on an island, right? Like you don't get the sense that he's going to play with Jonathan Marcheseau. Not anymore. That you know, ship has sailed. You know he's not going to play with Line Riley two. Smith. No. So yeah. what does that look like? It looks like William Carlson is uh, taking on a whole different role. I want to start mm-hmm. like uh, where I think it's easiest to kind of digest this, which is on the power play and Riley Smith's shoot first um, role on that, on the flank. Because you want to re- replace it with a like-minded type player, right? And my first, my first name that pops up is Paul Cotter. Sure. Right. Yeah. You want to talk about a shoot first guy? <laughs> there, there is absolutely no shyness to this young man. No, not at all. Showing up last year in the fedora, the golden carpet, the whole thing. And, and to a degree, you need that moxie. Yes, exactly that. Exactly that. And I think that's where we found uh, a really perfect mix on the top line when you have Barbashev, Eichel, Marshall. So you have somebody that's going to grind out of the corner. You have the distributor in Jack Eichel, and then you have Jonathan Marshall so as the premier scoring talent. Now, all three of those guys can absolutely put the biscuit in the basket, but Marshy is the one that finishes the best in the tightest areas, and um, the other two can do a lot more than what Marshy can. No knock on Marshy. We just want to make sure we're setting him up. And so you're trying to make as many lines with that type of of uh, concoction as possible. We already know what, what the second line is. Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson, they're going to be together. Mm-hmm. If they're on the team together, they're going to be together. That's what yeah, it is. 100%. And I thought Howdy did just fine. And again, you need a grinder, a distributor, and a finisher. And you mm-hmm. can kind of interchange between Mark Stone and Chandler Stevenson as finishers. More Mark Stone last year when he was available than Chandler. But Chandler certainly has his moments, as we've seen. He was the, one of the all-star selections. Yeah. And now, this is where William Carlson, because William Carlson, first year, unbelievable goal total. Mm-hmm. But what is he the best at? What is he the best at? Oh, he's great at shutting things down defensively. Correct. And that's what he does. And that's what you do in the third line, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about the, the third line being an X-factor line, but that's only when 
your team is concocted to do that, to have uh, a tertiary layer of scoring because maybe your first two aren't able to separate themselves enough or maybe you're tasking them to shut down the top players sure. for the other team. But w- the reason why Connor McDavid was almost a non-factor, as much as a non-factor as he can be, because if you keep him under two goals, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. If you keep him under three points, you're going to be fine. I yeah. don't care. You keep under, you're going to be just fine. And that was all because of William Carlson. And so he agree. is that guy that you deploy. You put him in on defensive zone situations. You put him in on face-offs. I mean, just look at the, the progress he's been able to make in that area of his mm-hmm. game. Because some people say face-offs don't matter. I disagree vehemently. Uh, to, to, to my to my so, dying breath. So so situations matter more to me. Like obviously, yes. you 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 put way more weight penalty killing, face off wins. Yeah, the goals losses. for him. Those are massive. Correct. Right. hundred percent. Now I I agree with you in that, and and you saw it to a degree with what Bruce was able to do with the lineup last last playoff run. Is mm-hmm. that. William Carlson, Riley Smith took on that shutdown role. We know how dynamic they are on the penalty kill, mm-hmm. and you you kind of roll that into what their what their expectations were five on five, and they did a great job. I agree with you in terms of the power play, Paul Cotter. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. The the other aspects or the other directions you could go if you're not going Paul Cotter is do you trust or do you want? Hager bombs on on the power play. Yeah. Do you want Alec Martinez and his one-timer? And I know that at that point, you're talking about 2D on one unit. Yep. I get it. It's not the most offensively-minded idea, but we know Nick Hague can rip the puck, and we know Alec Martinez, when given the opportunity, if you're asking him to shoot one-timers from the circle, he's going to do it. He's an underrated asset in in that area, and and he was a couple years ago. I remember during the the bubble season that he, especially down the stretch, he was able to to pot a few, especially right off the wall. Like uh, uh, Puck sent up the wall, he's able to, and then just puts it right on the net. And sometimes it's just about catching the goalie before they're able to set their feet. Mm. And so... um, the big X factor, though, other than Hag, because that's certainly something that we can discuss. Because that, but that signals a certain type of change in philosophy, or maybe mm-hmm. you go to two different types of power plays, right? Because sometimes sure. you have them run the same one and just with with different players. But I remember, maybe this was just a little bit of overzealousness by my high school coaches. We had eight different power plays. <laughs> really, uh, high school girls hockey, Minnesota. Let's just say it's a big deal. <laughs> uh, maybe it was a little bit more complicated than it needed to be, but there was, you know, we wanted an umbrella here. We wanted an overload here. We wanted a roamer through the slot in this one, and, the, yeah. and these personnel were were better equipped to do that. So if you want Hag to do that and rip that, he also has to be able to handle that puck up top and, and be that distributor as well. And I'm not sure if he's the best guy for that. Now, I don't mm-hmm. think it, that he's unable to do it, but this is a very lanky human, people. This is very, <laughs> like, I always say, if you're forechecking against Nick Hag, you skate right at him. And if you can meet him before, probably about the face-off dots and the circles, there's a high likelihood that he's going to take a penalty because you're just getting into his tree limbs, right? Yeah, there's just yeah. a lot a lot to get caught up. And so that's one way to look at it. But if you want to stay a little bit more true to what has been done so far, then you start looking at number 10 and Nick Waugh. Mm-hmm. And you start looking at him if he's going to be deployed more on the power play as he was dur- dur- during the playoffs. What do you do with that fourth line as well? Because he is best, at my opinion, mm-hmm. when he's playing center. I agree. I, I think he's a better player when he's playing center. But he's not a fourth line center. 
And that's the hard thing. Just like how William Carlson probably isn't a third-line center He's either. Not. And this is where this team is so deep, where you're the envy of probably almost every other team in the NHL besides maybe the Seattle Kraken who have <laughs> – and 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 your L.A. Kings to a degree sure. who yeah. have just ha- have, have taken an onus on making sure that you fortify up through the middle. But that's where – that fourth line is so good. Mm-hmm. And they're just as big of a scoring threat because now you think about, well, who are they sending out against? And can they keep up with, with Coley and Carey? I mean, I don't know if we expect Carey to have the same year in terms of goal production as last season, but in terms of presence, I don't, I, I don't absolutely. Expect, I don't expect a, a, I don't expect Will Carey to go out there and shatter those numbers. But I think that we can maybe make a reasonable argument. Like 12 that, goals? That you're looking at a 12 to 15 goal guy. Okay, And that's, great. Who, that's who he is. And you're getting that on the fourth line because yep. you've got Nick Waugh as your fourth line center. Because you can spot in some of those extra minutes for Nick Waugh on the power play. I agree with you. I think Nick Waugh is going to be a mainstay on the power play. I just don't think he's going to be a mainstay on the power play in that Riley Smith spot, right? No, like you, you exactly need, that. You in need front. Nick Waugh in front of the net. You mm-hmm. need him more confident distributing the puck in a, in a very similar fashion to how Mark Stone will distribute the pucks. We're talking about the second unit here. We're not yep. talking about the top unit. We're talking about how Bruce Cassidy is going to find a way to replace Riley Smith, what he can do in that secondary role. And, and that's going to be the big challenge to me in terms of the power play because – I don't think you have to worry too much about the Golden Knights top unit. You've got Mark Stone, you've got Jack Eichel, you've got kind of an interchangeable piece in, in Alex Petrangelo or Shea Theodore. Like, you're going to be fine. You're going to find goals. Mm-hmm. It's whether or not you're going to be able to get secondary scoring in that spot from your second unit. And that's going to be the biggest challenge because your main threat there was Riley Smith's one timer. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. And I mean, you could even go, do we want to have a, a, a unit, as you mentioned, where you have two? defenseman and only and then you only have one on the top because then if it's only one on the top I mean it's Petro's spot like he's that's that's what it is at this point but Shea is there too sure and so you're kind of like could we maybe in maybe interchange once in a while see if there's a little bit of fluidity especially since you know we can experiment with this regular season a little bit right like we can see who's out there because if Nick Waugh's in front and all of a sudden I'm just looking at daily face of and who have they have allocated on that second power play unit with Ivan Barbashev and William Carlson I'm like I don't know if Carly is the best guy I want to have on the wall. I'm like, I love Carly, yeah, guys. Yeah, I sure. do. But the way that guy breaks into every zone is almost the same damn play every time. Now, what about the idea of Jack Eichel playing two minutes? Put Jack Eichel right, for on both, both units. units. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. Yeah. I don't hate it. Is he on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Then do you take away – because. Now we got to think about the the PK now too, because a lot of people will say, "Will tell you, well, if Riley Smith is no longer on that PK with William Carlson, then Jack Eichel well, is going to be." Well, that's, Are, that's 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 a lot of taxation on a, on a forward's legs. That's kind of why I brought it up, right? Yeah. Because if you want to go double, if you want to double up Jack Eichel on the power play, like I'm all for it. Yeah. But you can't have him playing hardcore penalty kill minutes, like at least not in the regular. It's season. It's gonna be all a card every game if you want to do, because not every game is gonna have the same amount of power plays sure. or penalty kills, and yeah. so maybe if you if you have those penalties early on, and all of a sudden you can't get your game going, and then it's like ah, oh, we're gonna send the the other guys out there with the secondary unit. But to your point about Paul Cotter, like if you want a guy that's gonna rip the puck, Paul Cotter's your guy. Right? He raises you, his hand every time. If you want to have a very similar structure to what you had with Riley Smith in that spot. Paul Cotter probably makes the most sense. But if you want the guy with the best one-timer available to you, you might want to double up on Jack Eichel and just give him the – if you're going second unit, your directive is to shoot the puck. Your directive is to either come downhill – you circle up towards so different the, role then you're yeah. saying distributor in the mm-hmm. first power play mm-hmm. and then you want him to take a little bit more of a shoot first exactly. mentality interesting exactly. that's how I would do it now I'm huh. not Bruce Cassidy and I'm not a hockey coach he could so call us 
<laughs> he could. He could. Bruce, Bruce from Summerlin. That's yeah, a, Bruce. For- <laughs> that's, that's one of those beautiful things. But I, I do agree with you in that, like, Paul Cotter makes a lot of sense on the power play. I think Jack Eichel makes a lot of sense on the penalty kill. I, 100%. Because you're talking about your best player. You're talking about a guy that has the wheels, that has the ability, that, that certainly can fill that void. Can he find chemistry alongside of William Carlson? Probably in that role. I think so. Because you've got Carlson making heady plays and you've got Jack Eichel's wheels. That can be something that that really does land for the Vegas Golden Knights. But how much are you taxing Jack Eichel in those moments? Yeah, and and how long do you want to roll out that particular deployment? Because you don't have to do the same thing every night. Like mm-hmm. You can kind of experiment with this, and maybe there is a default power play that they run and get settled in in the first few weeks of the season and then maybe they start to branch out because I think it would be good to have that default of Cotter's there it's the same type of thing we Mm -hmm. can go to this if we need to right we don't necessarily have to keep things the same way but I I don't want to put too much on Jack's shoulders but also this is the time of his career where he's probably the most capable right Mm -hmm. he's 20 is he even 28 yet 27 like and and as I said from last year we saw a different level found with him I think there's at least three more you're you're never going to find a more confident Jack Eichel than the Jack Eichel you have going into this training camp 100% true and so why not stockpile some of those points we saw from last year they got off to such a hot start they Mm -hmm. needed that through the middle part of the season while they were still trying to find themselves because adversity will happen bumps and bruises will happen they'll lose somebody to injury just because of the 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 age of this team it's a veteran team. Yeah, 100%. And the the beauty of Jack Eichel, as you mentioned, he's a younger player. He's he's a guy that I think is ready for that responsibility. And with that responsibility can come the Selkie votes, can come some of those other individual awards that you start to look at now that he's got the Stanley Cup. Yep. You're looking for those other individual accolades. And I think Jack Eichel's next step isn't necessarily becoming a 100-point player. I think it's becoming a true all-around NHL player, one of those guys that you talk about in a very similar way that you talked about Patrice Bergeron, the way that you talk about Sasha Barkov. I think that's possible for Jack with a greater role on the penalty kill. Yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. I think it's kind of unfortunate because I, this is a, the window for Mark Stone to win his. Mm-hmm. And so he might be uh, up shown, but then again, there wasn't one individual award handed out to this team, and I don't think nope. anybody would be mad if that was the same thing that they ran back this year where nobody got any accolades because it was that uh evenly spread out in terms of production responsibility everything else one playoff run for jack eichel one stanley cup championship oh yeah that's right as we've mentioned a couple of times the vegas golden knights are stanley cup champions we're back with one timers next on the vgk insider show Um. carlson left corner centered one timer score it's time for one timers a quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. One-timers, brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. News and notes from around the National Hockey League. Boy, do we have a lot to get to. But I didn't want to go like too, too deep into it. Like there's, there's mm. signings, there's trades. Like I'm going to hit Eric Carlson to the Pittsburgh Penguins at some point in time. I just don't want to do it right now. No, right too now, upsetting. I, right now, I want to deal with the Boston Bruins. Um, and, and before we get to the topic specifically, is there a team in recent memory that, that you can like think of, right, that was as historic as Boston was in the regular season last year, had the exodus they had in the offseason, and you have no idea, like legitimately, what they're going to be this year? Yeah, first to worst. 
Gives me Tampa Bay Ray oh, vibes. First to worst, do you think they're going to be that bad? Eh? Uh, I mean, well, you and I also picked them to miss the playoffs last season. Maybe I, that was just me. I did. Um, but I've been picking against Boston for like three years. Sure. I've been prophesizing the downfall of the Boston Bruins it's forever. It's here. I, it has to be. Like, it, no Bergeron, no Krejci, no really anything from what they brought in at the all trade All of deadline. their first-round picks are gone. Literally everything. They have no one in the pipeline. Okay. So you and I are on the same page there. However, here's my dilemma. I've done this for three years in a row. Yeah. Like I've said, the Boston Bruins are done. There's no way they're going to make the playoffs. Like this is an aging core. It's over for you guys. Okay. um, That's good. I like it. Um, Thank you. Can I do it for a fourth year in a row? Like can I be – yeah, there's no way the Boston Bruins make it. I mean, if you don't first succeed, try, try again, right? I'll try, 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 try. Try, try again. There it is. Keep recycling. From Boston. Yeah, from Boston. Okay. so the Bruins are without a captain. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Like, Patrice Bergeron, what a phenomenal career. What an immense leader. Great Just human. Phenomenal human. I'm glad that to a degree, like, as much as the Florida Panthers were fun last year, I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more of Patrice Bergeron in that in that pressure-packed uh, he had always. playoff moments. Uh, but that being said, it's an end of it's the end of an era in the, for the Boston Bruins. However, they are without a captain, and I feel like there's maybe only two candidates. Okay. Brad Marchand. Yeah. David Pasternak. Yeah. I mean, like I guess Charlie, Charlie... Coyle doesn't. No. No. <laughs> well, no. He he's not an original guy. No. 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 Uh, Charlie. Yeah, he's Mac- from yeah, Boston, okay, okay. and so people love that. So it's a girl dad. If you're sitting there thinking about it. Like, if you're Brad Marchand, like, you're, you're a couple of seasons, use the word couple loosely, but like you're a few seasons removed from licking an opponent. Yeah, it's he doesn't have the greatest track record with anyone. Should he be the next captain of the Boston Bruins? Yeah, probably. Yes. Okay. I mean, like, I could see Pasta, and Pasta's a great ambassador. It depends on what type of captain you want mm-hmm. and, and what this team needs at this point, because as you mentioned, this is an end of an era. Yeah. There's, this is this is uh, and, and Marshan speak to this as well because I, I have some audio from him about um, just this whole situation. But just think about all the things that Mark Stone does for the Golden Knights. Times that by a little more by the Boston Bruins, and he's been doing it for the last 15 years, right? 15 plus years. There's a lot of stuff you didn't even have to worry about. Just look at what's happened to the Patriots, right? Mm-hmm. Mac Jones is supposed to be the heir apparent. Not going super well. They were chanting Bailey Zappy all year last year. And so, like, Marshan hasn't necessarily earned the respect that really comes with the captaincy or, like, that, that kind of cleaner-cut image. Mm-hmm. But he might be the right captain for this team. You bring Because up a... they need to be a little bit, you know, scrappy this year to have some respect. You bring up an interesting point. Now, there's a couple of things I don't believe. If I'm Brad Marshan, I'm thinking about this every day. Like, if you have been within this organization as long as Brad has, you've won a Stanley Cup with this team, you have been right there alongside Patrice Bergeron for all of it. Yep. I want this. I'm thinking about this. I want to be the guy. And yet, he says he's not thinking about it. Let's hear from Brad Marchand, specifically when it comes to the potential he becomes the next captain. Only this was louder. Yeah, it's probably not going to work for us, Fred. All right, that's fine. Brad Marchand says he's not thinking about it. I call 
BS on But he's always been thinking about it. I think this is something that when you're as closely associated with Patrice Bergeron as Mm -hmm. you were, this is something that he's thought about for years, that I want to emulate part of Patrice's game in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to try to change myself year by year. Most players who do that. Jonathan Marshall did that. Mm -hmm. He said, I Mm -hmm. took the image of Mark Stone and said, I want to become a better overall player. And with that comes uh, better discipline. And that's something that Marshan, I think, has put forth in the last couple of years better than he has. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I don't think there is many other connections between a singular player and a fan base quite like the nature between those two. Here's the thing. To Chuck's I think, the only one, I think. I think Brad Marshan can handle it. I agree. I don't think David Pasternak can handle it right now. I think you need a gap between Bergeron yeah. and eventually Pasternak. Yeah, now whether, You're or not, right. now whether or not you want to go without a captain, like that's you know kind of up to the Bruins. I don't expect them to do that, mm-hmm. but I think you need because you're not just talking about Bergeron. You're talking about Bergeron and Chara, like those are two titans, right? Like two massively important leaders within yep. the Boston Bruins lore. To me, I think you go Brad Marchand because he can handle what that means. He's a nice bridge to eventually handing it over to. To pasta. Yeah, and if things start to get really bad, and uh, let me guess, the Bruins fan base will let him know mm-hmm. he's not. He'll be right off of his. Yeah, back. he'll let them he'll, know. He'll, on, uh... he'll find a way to not just let it affect the team, but he'll take that spindle and turn it into gold. Beautiful. So you and I are on the same page. Um, Brad Marchand, notorious for licking opponents, among other likely things. the next captain of the Boston Bruins. Okay, uh, Matthew Nice kind of shook up the hockey world a little bit because he told Greg Wyshynski of ESPN that he believes Austin Matthews is the NHL's best overall player at the Rookie Showcase yesterday. Now, here's the thing. Do I look at Austin Matthews a little bit differently than I do Connor McDavid? To a degree, right? Why? Because I do believe Austin Matthews puts forth more of an effort to play defense five on five. That Connor does not. Connor doesn't. Okay. I, he, he does. Now, is it really Connor's fault that he's got the puck on his stick all the time and he's faster than everybody and more often than not he's playing in the offensive zone? No, but there's some questionable plays. There's some questionable... I mean, look at the goal that Jack Eichel scored. He lifts the stick of Connor McDavid, wins a puck battle, wins a series. Mm. Do I look at Connor McDavid as an overall player? Not really. Do I look at Connor McDavid as the premier offensive player in this game? 100%. Right. He's the best player in hockey. Best player in hockey. You tell me I get Connor McDavid, I'm all for it. I want to tune in. I want to watch him play. But I think that there's a level of Matthews game that's different, at least in terms of puck battle, than what you get from Connor McDavid. Okay. Now, that being said... Is Austin Matthews the best overall player in the National Hockey League? Not a chance. He disappears. Not a chance. He disappears in the moments that matter most. Like, at least Connor kind of shows up once in a while, right? I mean... Well, it's impossible for him not to. He's got three breakaways a game. If it's not him, who is it going to be? And that's the thing with with the Maple Leafs, too, is that they have other people, but their biggest people tend to go ghost on it. And I know they won their first series, but they acted like they won the Stanley freaking Cup. They, and they, they, they got did. smoked. Yeah. Smoked. By a team that, frankly, had no business beating them. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And uh, they had some unbelievable goaltending play. 
Uh, this is Matthew Nyes' guy. Sure. He's the rookie on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Made a little bit of a, uh, a noise last year during the Stanley Cup playoffs because they brought him up from the University of Minnesota. He's a big boy. Mm-hmm. We got to make sure we hype up our vets, hype up our captains, especially with their new uh, contract that they're signed. But $13.25 million for Austin Matthews, four years. I think Connor's better, personally. Um, but both of these guys haven't shown me anything to the effect where I believe that they are leaders for long-term success deep into the season. Can you win with those guys? I don't know. At, at, I guess at, the, at that Who are you more likely to win? Like, who would you bet on figuring it out more? See, that's where I lean toward Matthews. I do, too. Because I feel like his game's more versatile, mm-hmm. in a way. And he's bigger. He's a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, you you just... You look at Austin Matthews, and, and like, I don't know if you do this, but... You're a big guy. Play like it. Right. Same kind like, of thing we did with Tucky. Like, go snarl at somebody, damn it. And, you know, like, maybe maybe a little bit of that, like, snarl from Tyler Bertuzzi wears off to a degree. I like what they did in the offseason. I don't hate it either. But the fact of the matter is, like, if Austin Matthews doesn't play like his size indicates he should, nothing's ever going to go right for Toronto. No. No, but, and that's his big thing to figure out. But, like, how much better can Connor McDavid be? I don't know. I, I think you could see crazy goal totals and stuff, but I, if you're playing every game 7-5, to five, it's not going to work out for you. Mm-hmm. And eventually it starts catching up to you, too. It's like, can they win? I mean, how many years did we talk crap about Alexander Ovechkin? You mm-hmm. win one and people get off your back. Sure. But... Connor has literal is a human cheat code, but he knows it. Yeah. And so I, I think that Austin Matthews is, has a higher chance of versatility, and then their team takes a little bit better care of their cap situation. Sure. Like they, they don't hire Peter Shirelli, okay? So like <laughs> it's a, they're already on a better track in my mind. But mm. who knows? The pressure of of Toronto, I think. Um, limits that growth as well, or at least it causes their players to bruise eat more easily mm-hmm. or deeper, mm-hmm. and so it's harder for them to climb out of the, the hole. It's interesting, but I still look at both of those guys. Best overall player? No. Right. Not a chance. How do you define that? I don't know. Depends on which hockey person you ask, right? There's so many different ways to dissect this game. And he's not playing the right way. He hasn't paid his dues. He hasn't suffered enough. You know. Okay, it's, all right. It's... Let me let me ask you this. Overall, overall, like, do you have to play penalty kill? Uh, I'd prefer it. Okay. If you're going overall player, yeah. If you're going best player, not necessarily. So, I guess what I'm setting up here is how can we stack the deck for Jack Eichel? I don't know. Put him on the penalty kill. Yep. Have him be. It's going to take a couple years. Like, best overall player in the game is Patrice Bergeron. I know. We can't can't argue that. Right. And the thing is, like, Jack is right there. Yeah. But he has a lot of making up to do from his early career narratives, whether they were earned or not. Yeah. And winning a cup is a great way to start it. But now people are like, all right, where was your con spice, Jack? Well, he gave it to Johnny. You know this argument is going to be made. You know for a fact. You didn't win an RS. Like you didn't win. And like, who cares about individual awards? Mm-hmm. But you need to have several seasons where it's not a surprise that you're reaching your your potential. And that's what he did one time so far. So one let's, more in a row. Let's see what Jack can do. But I really look at that as as kind of an, an introduction for Jack Eichel to take 
a niche yeah. here. Right? Yep. You've got what Patrice Berger, that was the example. That was the guy that was best in every situation. Yep. I, like you, believe Jack can get there. I really do. Mm-hmm. Those are your one-timers for today, Wednesday, September 6th. Catching up with somebody is up next. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. And wrapping up, the first VGK Insider Show of the season is catching up with Christopher Chapman. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I'm pretty good, Ryan. How are you? Um, well, I'm fantastic. Uh, first two hours in the books. Uh, some fun, interesting discussion about signature moments. I, I guess this is your segment, and we're you know able to get you on here. Is there anything that you wanted to get into right now or signature moment that stood out to you from the playoff run? Well, yeah, my, my signature moment was in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. Ivan Barbashev absolutely obliterates Radko Gudis, knocks him out of the game. But what's kind of lost in that is the fact that Ryan Lomberg took a high-sticking penalty on that play. 30 seconds later, Jonathan Marcheseau scores his second power play goal of the series, and I think that was kind of the moment where I'm like, you know what, these guys are going to win the Cup. Um, you know, the hit, the moment where Marcheseau gets that goal, it's almost like everything kind of came together like, all right, there's no questions about the power play anymore. They're not going to be bullied by guys like Gudis and Kachuk and Sam Bennett. I, I thought it was one of those moments to me where it stood out. I'm like, you know what, that, that's a defining moment when we look back at teams that have won the Stanley Cup. I think that's, that's the one for me that, that stood out in that series. Um, and I like what you said about Petrangelo. I, I, I thought that that was something that really was not talked about enough at the time and the job that he did. You know, somebody had to stand up to Edmonton, and it was a guy who'd been there before, a guy who'd won a Stanley Cup. And, you know, when I went back and watched the quest for the Cup, I got to talk to Petrangelo about this, but I didn't realize he was a good trash talker, too, because some of the trash talk he had in the, in the finals. Yeah with Matthew Kachuk, was, was, was on point. It was really good. Okay. Um, I mean, he's a professional hockey player. I, I would imagine that he's, he's got some good chirps there. Yeah, yeah, but he, he got in some good ones. Always about you, Matthew. Always about you is one that really stood out to me. So, uh, are, are you, well, you going to take notes when, uh, when you get back into the studio and, uh, and Mallard's here? You're going you to chirp him like... Uh, oh, you know what? I, I should ask Petrangelo for some good, uh, some good trash talk, some good chirping to get back to Millard. Just let me know when you do, because I want to be there. I want to see you. Yeah, you know what? By the way, uh, I, I'll be back in studio on Monday, so uh, I miss you guys. I miss everyone, and that I, I couldn't be there today or I won't be there tomorrow or Friday. That's okay, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll see you on Monday. Get some extra rest. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Pl- listen, I've gotten plenty of rest the last few days. <laughs> okay. That is Chris Chapman. We told you we would bring him to you at some point today, and we keep our promises here on the BGK Insider Show. We're back with more tomorrow. Isn't that a beautiful thing? From here until July, it's the BGK Insider Show.